You can have a seat. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're very excited to have you with us on this uh, first Sunday of December. And as Daryl said earlier, it's not, it wasn't a 12-week series, Daryl. Apparently, you've you know, been kind of bored by it. Um, it's been drawing on and on for him. Uh, it was an eight-week or not. I actually don't know how long it was either. It was like eight or nine, though, um, is what I'm throwing out there. And, and that is a long series for us, um, mainly because my attention span cannot handle that. Um, and so, you know, if David is writing it and, you know, delivering a lot of these things, I will follow along. But it's painful for me as well. So... We're at the end of it, though. So, I mean, yes. I, I don't, when he said we were at the end of it, I started applauding up here, but nobody joined with me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I liked it. But uh, we're we are at the end of, of the series, Under Construction, Building God's Dream for Community. And today, basically, I'm going to sum up. Um, uh, it's everything, boom, right here. It, I mean, you, you're, I know some of you are like, you mean I didn't have to come for the past eight weeks, and I would have learned everything today. Yes. Um, but then you would miss some great worship time. Uh, but before I get to that, I want to say that next week is the start of Advent. Um, I know that, you know, pretty much Christmas has started for like two months now in most stores and things. And you might already be sick of it. Uh, how many of you have decorated their homes? Have your uh, Christmas trees already, some of you? Yeah, the rest of you need to get on it, okay? You're the ones who make our streets look poor when you don't have lights on. You know, it's just you drive down you're like, oh, this is, oh, oh this is a badly lit street. Um, yeah, so... My house is decorated already uh, because I was made to. Um, we, we are uh, starting Advent uh, next week, and basically what we're doing is um, A New Heights Carol is, is the series that we're doing for Advent this year. And basically it is a take on A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens' classic A Christmas Carol. So uh, join us for the next uh, three Sundays and Christmas Eve which our Christmas Eve service will be as it has been for the past uh, many years at 6.30 p.m. Um, on Christmas Eve here uh, in the sanctuary. So we're very excited about that and uh, look forward to having you with us. But uh, community, let's see. Being together, coming together as one, unity, the great little coffee thing, taking a whole bunch of different things that really don't belong together, if you look at us closely enough, you're like, really? And bringing them together as one. That's God's dream. Bringing together all of these different things and going out and getting all these different pieces and different people and different personalities and different gifts and talents and bringing them together under the church, under the blood of Jesus Christ and calling them one. Bringing them together as one. Now, that's his dream for us as community. That's the way God set up our lives here. If you remember, we talked about this many, many times. I've said it, I think, every Sunday. When God created Adam, he looked at Adam and he goes, that's not so good for him to be alone. It's not good for Adam to be alone. So he created Eve. He created community. From the very beginning, however many years ago you want to say that is, when Adam was created, God knew that he needed a community. God knew that in order to truly live, there must be community. So he created community. God is himself a community, three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The circle dance, as they, we talked about, I think, on the very first Sunday. I had the hula hoop up here, and it was like God and Jesus and the Spirit dancing and melding together as one. It's about community. Jesus Christ himself, when he began his ministry, started a community. 
he got together these guys and he surrounded himself with these disciples. And that was his community. And for three years, they did everything together. Everything together. And he gave us the example of how to live. When the first church was started in Acts chapter 2, and, they, and the, the Holy Spirit comes down like tongues of fire, it says, and gives them the power of God to start the church, they start, they start a community. And it teaches us how to start a church. It teaches us how to be a church. It teaches us how to live together as one. Because God just doesn't want us to be alone. God doesn't want us to be that lone ranger riding out into the wilderness by ourselves. He wants us to have Tonto along with us. Wow, that was a great reference to Tonto. I didn't think I'd ever use Tonto in a sermon. There it is. But he wants us to be together as one. He wants us to come together as a community. In a world in which we're told time and time again that you can do it on your own. There are books out there that tell you how to achieve everything you want, how you can do it, to be the best you now, to to do everything you can to get ahead. It's all about you, 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 you. What did Jesus never do? Look to himself. He never made it about himself. He always looked out. He said, what can I do for others? Jesus taught us how to live in community in the community in which he lived. And I just kind of want to bring that to a close today. Not close the community. We will no longer be a community from this point forward. Just kidding. John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 15. Uh, this is a great, great piece of scripture. And we were talking about this in staff the other day. If, uh, I, always, I, I make a point of always saying that in here. I say, if you have your Bibles, open up to, to well, whatever, the verse I am using. And um, I encourage you to open up your Bibles and to, to have it with you and and the reason I do that is, is this, because, and maybe it's just my personality and lack of learning abilities, but um, when I have the book in front of me and I'm hearing it and I'm seeing it and I have it in front of me, it's more powerful to me. So I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. Um, and, you know, I usually show you, if you're not that familiar with the Bible, I pretty much show you. Like John chapter 15 is about right there, you know. I mean, so you know it's deep into the book and you can kind of find it. And you know, I'll give you clues. Psalms, halfway. There, Psalms. Um, it was actually Ezra, but none of y'all knew that. Um, and so, you know, you get, to, you get to find it and to see it and, and to maybe write a little note down. Maybe something I say triggers something in your mind or God goes, boom, you need to listen to this. You need to hear this. Underline it. Come back to it later. Something like that. I don't know. So I just encourage you, if you have one, to bring it. If you don't have one, come see me because you need one. Even if you don't bring it here, you need it. You need it at home to be in it, to look at it, to let God speak to you through the Holy Scriptures. So if you don't have a Bible, because some of you may not, um, please come see me. I have many uh, Bibles to, to give you. In fact, I was just, I went through this big whole ceremony with the bishop and he laid hands on me and called me by a wrong name. But, um, and it was, <clears throat> I ordain you, Mark. Um, so I'm now Mark. Um, and, uh, and as a present, the conference office gave me a brand new Bible. I'm like, seriously, y'all don't think I have one or, <laughs> or you don't like the one I'm reading. Is that what it is? So it was just kind of ironic. So I have a brand new one um, from the conference office that you can have. And no, it does not say provided by the Gideons, as somebody said earlier. Um, they stole it out of a hotel. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Verse 5. 
Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This scripture right here, it goes on to talk a little bit more about pruning and taking off worthless branches and throwing them into the fire and things like that. But this scripture right here, what this does for me is it shows me a community kind of. Because when I was trying to to find something to bring this all together, God showed this to me. And I was like, okay, um, I like that, but nothing. And then I started thinking about it. I live over in the Northwood area. And uh, I ride my bike around. There's a street called Haskin. And on Haskin, there is a, a, a guy that, or family, I don't, really don't know who lives there, but a house there. And it, ha- it looks like kind of a boxcar right on Haskin and something, a big white one. And they have vines. They have a vineyard right there on the corner of Haskin and like Little John or something. And, um, and, and right there, there's, there's a vineyard. Um, I, I don't know if they, you know, what they do with it, but there's vines. And, and, I, and I love driving by there to see the different states of growth in the different seasons of the vineyard, because it's not something you see around here very often. And it struck me as I was reading this this morning that there's something you never see when you go by and you see a grapevine. You never see just just one, right? I mean, never. I mean, if you if you've been to Napa Valley or you've seen pictures of Napa Valley or the Rhone Valley in France or wherever Bordeaux or whatever, and you little wine snobs, if you've seen all of those, anything, you never see just one. You know, there is never just, you know, one pot with one vine, with one little vine and one branch coming out, right? Never. Why? Because it doesn't work that way. It just, it doesn't work that way. Because of pollination, because of all those different things, you need the group together and you need them to, to live together and thrive together. It takes them all. It takes them all to form that vine. And I was reading this, I was like, well, there you go. That's community. Right there. What does Christ say right there? I am the vine. I am the center. I am the core. I am the most important structure here. And you are the branches. You are the things that come off of me that produce the fruit. I'm the one that gives you strength. I'm the one that gives you sustenance. You're the ones who produce the fruit. And it talks about pruning and, you know, learning and growing in your faith and different things. And if you're not fruitful, cut off and sit to burn. Um, remember that. But, you know, and... But it's, it's a community has this vine that Jesus Christ is the center. Jesus Christ is that thing that gives it the strength and gives it support and gives it the sustenance. And then we are the ones who gather together around this to produce something. To produce something. We're the community. We're the community of God. You know, Jesus Christ, he's saying this and he, and he lived it. And he showed his disciples how to do this. From the beginning of his ministry, as he gathered these 12 guys and, and some ladies around him, and, and they set out on the ministry, they were a community. He was the vine. They were the branches. He gave them sustenance. Every day he spent with them. They ate together. They did everything together. He was the center of that community. And he taught us how to do community. If you think about it, what he did is he did a few things. One is he used to teach a lot. As a community, the community would go, and it talks about him going into the synagogues and teaching, going into the temple and teaching. It talks about him going up to a hill and teaching, going out on a boat while other people sat on a hill, a hill and he, he, he teached. Teached. My mother, the English teacher, would be very proud of me right there. He teached. He taught. Some of y'all didn't even get it, did you? 
That little guy does not like incorrect grammar. But he taught. That was one of the things that was important to a community. That was one of the things that he said, this is important because I'm doing it over and over and over again. If I had a professor one time that said, if I'm saying this more than once, it will be on a test. That's a clue. If I'm saying it over and over and over again, it's important. Pay attention. Write it down because you will be graded on this later. Jesus doing it over and over and over again. Something you should go, aha, I think he's mean something by this. I think there's something to this teaching as part of a community. That is what a community does is we gather together and we learn together. We learn together. Because when you bring more minds together, more revelations and more openings and more insights happen. You can see the text from a different viewpoint. Maybe somebody that grew up in the valley who is uh, from a different cultural perspective than I am in a different background can bring a revelation in the scripture to me that I would never be able to see on my own. But together as a community, they're able to open my eyes and say, you know what? In my culture, this means this. And we see it from this perspective. You're like, ah, that's amazing. And God can speak to me through that community and that interaction. It's about learning together. We have Sunday school classes here. Every Sunday, 9, 30, and 11, there's different classes. And those classes are basically communities that get together and they learn together. Some of them are a little more social than others. But, you know, for the most part, they get together and they learn together. There's a lesson. They talk about the lesson. They discuss it. They ask questions about it. And they further their understanding of God and the faith together as a community. Because it's stronger and more meaningful. So a lot of teaching went on with Jesus. Jesus did also a lot of caring in his community. We talked about that term insula a few weeks ago where where an entire family would come together and they would live together under one roof and they would share everything. This is the type of community that Jesus came from in the Galilean region. This is what he would have experienced as a child, what he would have experienced as, uh, you know, as a young boy and a young man growing up. He would have lived in an insula. There's that great story of um, when Jesus disappears from, from Mary and Joseph. I mean, not like I vanished. He like ran off, you know, and they find him later teaching um, in the temple, you know, and I, I just, 12-year-old boy just going, talking to all these men, idiots, this is what it's all about. I'm sure he never used that kind of language, but, because um, he spoke Hebrew. Uh, but, you know, and the thing is, oh my gosh, how can you lose your child? But the deal is, they were in such a large family that they probably thought he was with Uncle Joe. Well, he was Father Joe, Uncle Barry, or something. You know, it, it, it was a family, it was a community, and you took care of one another's children. You know, if if my cousin, my uh, Jeff, who plays the guitar up here, is my brother-in-law. I don't know how many of you know that. He's married to my wife's sister, which makes him my brother-in-law. And they just had a baby, um, Rollins. So I am a, a new uncle again. And, um, you know, if, if Rollins, I'm going to get this on tape. It's recorded right now. If Rollins steps out of line, I'm going to whack her. She's going to be corrected. And I won't, I won't actually physically hit her. But I will go, you know, Ron, I mean, not right now because she's like, what, six days old. But. You know, later on in life, and I would expect Jeff to do the same with Corbin. And boy, I'm going to need help with that fella. He's already over 20 pounds at five months old. Yeah, y'all can all see it coming too. He's going to be trouble. And you know, I want Jeff to step in and to help and to assist because that's what a community does. And if I'm hurt, and if I'm sick, and if I'm whatever, surround us. That's what would happen in this insult. 
That's what would happen in the community that Jesus created with his disciples. If one of them was hurt in any way, they would surround each other and they would take care of one another. They shared their possessions. They shared their needs. They loved one another. They loved one another as Christ loves us. It's a small group, basically. Sunday schools are focused more on the learning side of aspects of things. Small groups are focused on the learning side, yes, but it's that caring aspect of a community that Christ set up. It's that caring and loving and taking and shepherding aspect. It's, it's if, you know, somebody has a baby, your small group goes and, you know, they have a list of people that are going to bring them dinner and take care of that. Do you need your yard mowed? Sure, we will take care of that. Leaves raked right now. We'll take care of that. You have enough on your plate dealing with a brand new baby. Somebody's sick and in the hospital, you go and you take care of them. If there's something that someone needs, you support them, you listen to them, you pray with them, you talk to them. A small group is kind of a, a close-knit family, a family of believers who, who care for one another as Christ cares for us. You find that passion and that compassion in a small group that you maybe don't necessarily get in a Sunday school class or in a large worshiping body. But he set it up to show us these different aspects of it. Another thing he showed us in community was, was giving and assisting. If you look, all the time Jesus is helping somebody. He's always going around helping somebody. He's healing somebody when he shouldn't be healing somebody. The Pharisees jump on him. It's the Sabbath. Why are you healing him? He's like, well, dude, because I can and he goes out and he helps and he assists and he feeds and he heals and he takes care of and he listens and he does all these things to people that aren't in his little small group. Just people, random people. Random people that he's walking along the side of the road and, and this guy cries out, Heal me! Son of, son of God! He does it. Because part of being in the community means that it's not just that tiny little small insula community or small group. It's all of the community. And part of being in God's community means that you have no, no one who isn't a neighbor. There's nobody that, you know, a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. There's no one that isn't a child of God. And there's no one that is outside the realm of God's love. And because we are the church and we are the body of Christ, we need to see all like that. And we need to reach out and to help those people and to bring them into our community and to shower them with the love of Christ as he continues to do to us. And we do that here at the church in various ways. We have many different ministries and, and outreach opportunities and mission trips to go to Mexico. And, and we have things around town. And we also have F-103, the Hope Center, back there in the corner, that room back there in the CLC. And that is our our outreach to our community, to people who don't look like us necessarily, don't dress like us necessarily, maybe don't smell like us, but they need help. And they come in here and we give them the love of Jesus Christ. We don't give them anything but that. We might give them some food and some clothes and, and some financial assistance, but we have a pretty stringent policy about those things. And, and there's a, a lot of things that have to be done. What we do give them is the love of Jesus Christ, and we, and we walk through this process of getting their life back on the right path and the right track. It's a great ministry. It is a great ministry that has really grown tremendously over the past few months because people on the street talk to other people on the street. 
And the word is out that there is a big church. And, you know, some people come because we're a ginormous church. And we're in Alamo Heights. And so you're going to get a lot of money over there. That's not the case. But some people come because of that. But then others come because they know we actually care. And when you walk in that door, we don't see you as you know, some homeless person that we want to check off our list and say, Look, Jesus, we took care of you today. We actually want to take care of you. They need help in the Hope Center. They need volunteers to come and support that ministry. And i got to tell you, it's intense. It, it is not for everyone. It is an intense ministry where you see things that you don't normally see in your daily life. And it is a lot of training involved in it uh, to, to weed out those people that, and there are people that are coming by to scam us and just want money. And, but it is a great ministry. And the people who serve in there, I tell you, they talk about it like it is the best thing in their life. They talk about their, their service in that ministry like it is everything because they get to experience Christ face-to-face when they're in there. So I just if you have any questions about that, Carrie Spielhagen, um, will you hang around afterwards? Um, we'll be, she has a little baby. Um, she'll look for the blonde lady with the baby, and that's Carrie. Um, she'll be standing in the back. You can ask her questions about that or myself as well. But community, you know, it's learning, it's, it's taking care of and shepherding, it's reaching out to people that, that aren't in our community. It's so many different things. It's, it's so many things that we've talked about over the past eight weeks. Community is vital. It's vital to your faith, and it's vital to the salvation of the world. Because when Jesus Christ gave us the Great Commission, when he was leaving, he, he was taken off, he's like, I'm going to be back, but right now it's, it's your game. The ball's in your court. Here's what I want you to do. Go into the world and baptize all the nations. Everybody. Go, go and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't look at Peter and go, okay, Peter, here's your job. This is you. This is only you because you're, you're the rock. You know, we all know that. You're, you're the one I'm going to build the church on. So you, Peter, go into the world and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize. No. He said, you. Translation in Texas, y'all. Go into the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey my commands. And I will be with you. He sent us out. And when he sent the disciples out, he didn't send them one by one. He sent them together in pairs because he knew that you needed strength. He knew that you needed a community. That was the plan for the salvation. We're the plan. <laughs> Kind of I'm the plan. There you go. I, I'm the plan for the salvation of the world. I know Moses is going, seriously, God, we are the plan. We are the ones who are able to offer someone the love of Jesus Christ. But we must do it together. We must continue. We are leaving a series of community and moving on to other things. But we must carry this message, the message over the past eight weeks forward, knowing that community is what it's all about. Sunday school, small groups, missions and outreach opportunities, coming together as a community, a worshiping community, to worship and to praise God. It's all about a community. Yes, there are times where you need to be by yourself with God. There are times when Jesus took time away and he had to go, y'all just stay here. And I, I need to go by myself. I'll come out to you walking on the water later and freak you out. It's going to be really cool. But, you know, right now I need to be by myself. There are times you need to be by yourself with God. 
I mean, I, I am a poster child for that. I have got to get away sometimes and just let God speak to me and let God go, okay, you're being an idiot on this, good job on this, things like that. i got to get, you know, one-on-one with the big man. There are times when we must do that. But it's not all the time. Jesus spent most of his time together in community, as are we to do also. And today is Communion Sunday. The worship team is coming up. And, you know, communion is, is I mean, think of that, communion, coming to, communing together. You don't have communion by yourself. You can't. It just doesn't work that way. Tiffany Mock, uh, one of our uh, worship leaders, uh, recently was engaged. And, uh, yeah, you can applaud for that. And uh, she'll show you the rock afterwards. It's great. Um, and and she's getting married in uh, another... Why aren't you getting married in our church, actually? that's a We'll talk about that later. She's getting married in another church, um, and... They were talking about doing communion at their uh, their wedding ceremony, and the priest said that it's an Episcopal church. The priest said that they can't unless they do it with everyone. And we were speaking about this this morning, and she's like, I don't understand that. And I said, well, it's the same way here in the Methodist church, that if you want to do communion at your wedding ceremony, great, we would love to do that, but it's everybody. It's not just the two of you. And the reason is it's because it's God's table. It's When the table is open, the, the gift of Jesus Christ is for all who would believe. The blood wasn't just for, for Tiffany and her husband. It was, I mean, it's for y'all, but it was for all of us. And so when the table is prepared and, and the banquet is set, Jesus Christ is saying, come, my children, together and commune with me. The Last Supper wasn't by himself. It wasn't, he didn't go into the garden and do the Last Supper by himself. He did the Last Supper with his community. And every time we do communion here, it is together as a community. There, is no, the, the, there are two sacraments in the Methodist Church, baptism and communion. Baptism is something between God and an individual. It incorporates the larger body as bringing someone into the family, but it's communion. Communion is together. We all participate. We all come forward and accept. As we come forward, we accept the blood of Jesus Christ. We accept his saving grace. That's what today is about community coming together as a body as one to accept the body and blood of jesus christ it was that night so many years ago that jesus was sitting around the table with his community with his disciples and they were doing something that they had done the previous few years with jesus and probably they had done their entire lives in their family they knew the script they knew what was going to happen but then jesus got to a point in the supper And he took bread and he broke it and gave thanks to God. And he said, take this, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper, he took the cup and he raised it to God and he gave thanks for the fruit of the vine. He said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for men. As often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. And so as It was that community of of disciples who had been with him for so many years. And he just changed the words a little bit. But they knew something different was occurring. They They knew that something different was about to happen. I don't think they realized the power of it until probably the next day. But we know and we understand what this means. The body and blood of Jesus Christ 
died, suffered for us. But he rose again from the dead so that we might have life and that we as a community might come forward and accept his gift of freedom and saving grace. As those who are assisting with communion come forward, I ask the rest of you to bow and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this gift of life and salvation that you freely offer us. That even in the midst of our sin and the darkness in which we live, you offer us light and hope. We thank you, Lord, for that gift. We thank you that you enable us to share it with other believers as a community, as one, to come together at your table and to receive that saving grace. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy and precious name. Thank you.